In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, please be seated. Good morning and happy birthday, church. Pentecost is indeed the birthday of the New Testament church. Let me invite you to take out this bright red celebratory handout here. It will help you follow along as we talk about this day of Pentecost. Well, so, about a million years ago, before the age of digital graphics, and about the time when Commodore 64 was considered the hottest computer on the planet, I had a job, and that job required me to produce some pretty newsletters with nice-looking graphics in them. So I needed some architect's graphics tools. And I looked in the classified ads. Yes, that was way before Craigslist and Let Go. And there was an ad, and someone was selling the very stuff I needed. So I drove across to the other side of Norfolk, and I found the man and the stuff. But strangely, the owner kept trying to push off the rest of his gear on me. And I asked him, well, what gives? Why are you selling all the tools of your architectural trade? He said to me with a big smile on his face, I'll never have to work another day again in my life. What? You see, he said, I just bought this house. And up in the attic, there were these old sketches. The previous owner, he had left them there. And he said, well, they're just some old drawings. You can have them. Well, it turns out that they were 10 previously unknown original works by the French post-impressionist Toulouse-Lautrec. They were worth an absolute fortune. And you see, the previous owner didn't have a clue as to what he actually had. Just some old sketches. Right. Well, Christian, on this, the day of the celebration of Pentecost, do you know what you have? At Pentecost, God poured out his Holy Spirit as a gift for every single believer. And my question for you this morning, is he just lying around in your attic, dormant somewhere? Do you not realize you may be sitting on a gold mine and you haven't discovered it yet? Well, the Holy Spirit has been present in the world ever since creation. Remember Genesis 1? There we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit was there to bring life-giving energy to every single created thing, each according to its own order. First plants, then animals, and then man himself. He was there sustaining life in the world. If the Spirit had not been there, it would have been all a vast material deadness. 
Now, in the Old Testament as well, we find that the Holy Spirit was present in a special way among God's covenant people. He enabled human beings to encounter God, to receive power from God, and to carry out God's will. But the Spirit did this in a very transitory and passing way. Now, you'll see this wonderfully illustrated in the book of Judges. This, by the way, is my son's favorite book. He loves all the bloodshed. Here's the book of Judges. And let's just take Samson as an illustrative example. Samson, you see, had true encounters with God. And he experienced God's power coming upon him. It says the Spirit of God rushed... Thank you. I had to work hard for that illustration. It said the Spirit of God rushed upon Samson. And what did he do? He tore a lion apart with his bare hands. The Spirit rushed upon him, and he killed 30 Philistines single-handedly. The Spirit rushed upon him, and the cords with which, with which he was bound broke off him like little flaxen threads in a fire. But Samson's encounter with the Spirit was always episodic and passing. You can look at 1 Samuel 28, for example, and there you see how the Spirit actually left Saul and had gone to David. Saul, in fact, had to turn to mediums and wizards to receive supernatural wisdom because God just refused to talk with Saul. Even for the prophets, when you think about the prophets, right? They were the very voice of God to the people. Their encounters with God were temporary. The Spirit came, it fell upon the prophets, they spoke, and the Spirit seemed to go away left them for another time. Both Ezekiel 11 and Micah 3 record the prophet's experience this way. It says the Spirit falls, they spoke, but then the Spirit left. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was always something other. It was external to the people. In Numbers chapter 11, we read how Moses needed to take the 70 elders outside the camp that God might put just a little of his spirit on each of them. And the spirit did rest on them, and they prophesied. But then scripture says they didn't continue doing it. It seemed that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament only resided upon the most important people and not with everyday folks like you and me. In that same Numbers 11 passage, two men of those 70 remained back in the camp. And they didn't go outside to get a little of that spirit. And yet, nonetheless, the spirit fell upon them and they began to prophesy. So the other 68 guys, you know, they were upset. And Joshua was downright jealous. Now why should those lunkheads who don't follow God's instructions and certainly disrespect my boss, Moses, why should God give them any of his spirit? 
But here's what we read in Numbers chapter 11. Moses said to Joshua, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. You see, Moses understood that the only way that this wayward, disobedient group of men and women would ever act like they were truly God's covenant people if it, as if somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit might fall upon them and they might experience God's power on a daily basis. But friends, that just wasn't to be in the Old Testament era. The reception of and the living in the power of the Holy Spirit was the thing that the entire Old Testament looked forward to. But they would have to wait centuries for. Here's how Ezekiel put it. Ezekiel 36, 26. This is God speaking. He says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Now the writer of Hebrews reminds us, these all, that is, the Old Testament saints, these all died in faith, not having received what was promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now when the day of Pentecost came, all that changed. The treasure that you might not realize that you have is now operating by a whole new set of rules. You, Christian brother or sister, are living in an entirely new age of the Spirit. Now, yes, there is some continuity with the old age. The Holy Spirit is still present in the world generally. He's still giving life even to the unjust and to the evil. He's still there in the world convicting of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the Holy Spirit is still working in the hearts of rulers, causing God's will to be done on earth, whether those rulers realize it or not. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit went from outside the camp and he came and entered the church. God fulfilled his promise to make for himself a people prepared who would be fit as a dwelling place for him. Now think of the contrast. Think about what Jerusalem was like, say, in the days of King Manasseh. One of the most wicked kings who ever lived. Violence, injustice, sexual immorality, greed, envy, idolatry, dissension, and rivalry. Can't you just hear God? You want me to send my Holy Spirit to live in that place? Are you kidding? But look what happens on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls and he begins to dwell in a purified church. 
It's a united church. It's marked by oneness. The confusion of Babel is exchanged for mutual hearing and understanding. Jealousies and rivalries and prejudices and ethnic pride are replaced and displaced by a powerful, strong wind which kind of blows away the smell of human sin. And in its place comes the worship and the witness to King Jesus. But the day of Pentecost is actually even more than that. Pentecost marks a whole new way of God's people relating to his spirit. The Holy Spirit has become the gift for every single believer. And that's exactly what the prophet Joel predicted would happen. At Pentecost, Peter quotes from the prophet. And Peter says, this is exactly what has come about on this day of Pentecost. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now pay attention to these words. And even on my male servants and on my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Let me tell you a little story. It happened when I lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. And by some strange quirk of fate, I received a personal invitation to the governor's annual prayer breakfast. And it was unlike any experience I have ever had before or since. Now, the prayer breakfast is held at the governor's own mansion. And you park on the street, and you walk up to the mansion just as if you had been invited to a friend's house for dinner. So I walked up to this huge building and knocked on this huge front door of this giant mansion, and two men in livery, you know, they're dressed like footmen for the duke or the earl. They greet you at the door. Here to see the governor, sir? Well, of course, I didn't come to see the footman. And I certainly didn't come to see the fellows back there cleaning the dumpster. I came there to see the big man himself. But see, that's how it was in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit only came to see the big guys. He didn't come for the hired help. He wasn't there for anonymous footmen. And he certainly wasn't there to be the personal possession of the chambermaids and the dustmen. But friends, on the day of Pentecost, all that changed. The Holy Spirit has now come for every single believer. He has come to reside in you and be present with you. And you have Jesus' promise that he will never leave or forsake you. 
you have access through him to the very throne room of God the Father himself. Through the Holy Spirit, God says, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your petitions. So I say again, Christian, do you know and understand what a treasure you have? Now here's what it can mean if you will only recognize the Spirit's presence and walk with him in your life. First of all, you have God living in you. You are the dwelling place of God and the Spirit. And together with your brothers and sisters, we have become a new temple for God to live on earth. Secondly, you matter to God. Your work matters to God. Nothing you touch is unimportant to God, for it is being touched by God through you. Whatever your calling, whatever God has called you to, doctor, lawyer, carpenter, priest, all are significant because God is living out his call to the world through you. And here's another thing. You and I, we have become a royal priesthood. God has given us his spirit so that we might pray and intercede for the world around us. First of all, for our families, and then for our neighbors, and our friends, and our colleagues. We all who possess the Spirit this morning stand as intercessors for the world. You stand between the sin of the world and the righteous judgment of God on behalf of God's mercy. Let me close with this icon. Remember that? A couple of weeks ago? You see, up there on the left-hand side, those are the Old Testament saints. Joyful, hopeful, expectant. There are kings and judges and Moses and prophetesses, and they're all looking with faith toward the day of resurrection and the day of Pentecost. And all of them, see their hands? All of them are saying, if only, if only we could attain to that day. If only God's Spirit might take up residence in us as he will in you on that day. Did you see those guys to the right? Those are the apostles and the church. And you know what I want to say to them? What's your problem, church? Why do you hang back in fear and disbelief 
and uncertainty. You have seen the resurrection. The Spirit has come. Will those who never possessed the Spirit for their own, will they put us to shame by their constancy of faith and their hope in God? Friends, the Holy Spirit now resides in every one of us who have called upon his name. He is the voice that constantly whispers to us. His is the voice that unsettles us and says, sorry, you got to live by faith. Live by faith. A new kingdom has come. It is your God who resides within you. Embrace the resurrection. Embrace the spirit. Walk in newness of life. Let's not let those who could only live the faith by their own human efforts and tenacity put us to shame who now can believe and live by that great power within us. Amen.